Welcome to the Leader Manager Coach Podcast, your weekly podcast where we take a deep dive examining knowledge, philosophies, wisdom and insights to help you to lead, manage and coach in football, sports and life. Leader Manager Coach is presented by Rob Riles. Rob is a qualified coach with a League Managers Association qualification and a science and medicine background. He has worked in the football industry in Europe, USA and Africa at international, premiership, league, non-league and grassroots levels with World Cup and European Championship experience. Hello and welcome to another edition of Leader Manager Coach. Welcome to the podcast. Today I am really going to get straight into this. I'm really excited to bring you a fabulous interview and a great chat with a gentleman called Kent Teague. Now I will hold my hands up and say that I didn't know who Kent was until uh, a good few months ago and um, I came across Kent on a a video where he was talking about his football club and obviously it was to do with football so I was interested. Now Kent Teague is uh, the owner with of um, I believe as part of a consortium of Leighton Orient and um, I contacted him on social media and said uh, Kent would you just be a perfect guest on the podcast because he was so enthusiastic on his video and uh, he got straight back to me and we set up a chat so we chatted all the way from with using the technology in the 21st century from Dhaka in Bangladesh to Dallas I believe in Texas and the line was clear as clear as day so hopefully you'll get a great insight with what we talked about and uh, I can't thank Kent enough for his generosity with his time and all the efforts he made to uh, to speak to me as quickly as possible and it was a great chat I thoroughly enjoyed it and hopefully I'm going to be able to meet up with him again and touch base he's uh, he's somebody who has been very very successful in uh, in business he's uh, was a previous he was I think he was a software a software creator he worked for Microsoft as an executive for a good number of years he set up various businesses and one of them I believe was a hedge fund called Gold Creek Capital and as Kent mentions in the podcast, one of his dreams from an early age was to own a sports club. And as you'll hear on the podcast, there are so many lessons that we can learn. And I'm going to just really let you let you make your own mind up. But a couple of things that, that come to mind from this that I think are really worth underlining are, number one, understanding yourself. In this approximately 40-minute chat, what really came across was how vital and how valuable it is to have an understanding of yourself, what your own desires are, and certainly what your strengths and what your weaknesses are, and how you can benefit from knowing that kind of information. The other thing that that came across was how important it is to funnel your energy into things that are your passion, because that is what will give you the drive and the enthusiasm that comes across in bucket loads from Kent to fulfill your ambitions. And he talks about a process that he went through where he was applying, you know, real, real in-depth due diligence to the process of acquiring a sporting club because that's what he wanted to do. It's such an interesting uh, chat that I'll let you get on with it and and make your own mind up. But um, as always, enjoy and profit. Let me know what you think. And um, Kent, thank you very much. Okay, here we go. Hello, Kent. It's Rob Riles in Bangladesh. Hi, how are you? I'm very well. Uh, well, 
first of all, can um, thank you very much for um, for the connection. You know, I was looking for for somebody who is on the the other side of the game, really. Um, who's on the boardroom side, on the ownership side, and and, and you know, I came across you and uh, I saw a short video of you on YouTube, and I thought, you know what, that that guy is somebody that uh, surely's got a story, and I was interested. So um, that that's how I kind of came to send you the connection so thank you very much for responding and your faith in that Kent to start with not a problem not a problem always willing to help and always willing to do stuff on behalf of the club well that's kind of obviously where the podcast is Kent um the podcast is called leader manager coach and, and we we take a deep dive into into lots of things and and we tend to focus a little bit on the actual playing side and the, and the psychology of that and the coaching of that and, and on the grass stuff but um you know we try to to um spread our wings a little bit and um, you're somebody who just fits in perfectly with what what we were after so um that's great so first of all Kent this is what I know about you so I want you to correct me Kent because um you know I'll hold my hand up and say that I've only kind of heard about you since I've um known you've been involved with with Orient and I know you're, you're a Texas businessman who um has always dreamed as what the media says that you've always dreamed of owning a sporting club previous to to orient you were um, an executive at Microsoft and you've, um, amongst many other things, I, I believe you um, started off a, a company called Gold Creek Capital. And um, that was before you came into um, being with, with Orient in 2017. Now, I don't know if that's correct. I hope it is. Can you can please correct me and go ahead and tell me if that's right or wrong? No, that is correct. I started out as a software developer. I wrote software, wrote code. And then some code that I wrote took a company public. That helped me a great deal. And then I worked for Microsoft for seven, seven and a half years. And then I started Gold Creek Capital. Uh, we made a couple of different businesses out of that. One was a managed hosting facility, that uh, provider that we built out here in the United States, and then sold that business. And then I uh, also was involved in a litigation support. It's a legal technology company Yeah, yeah. Um, that we built out and we sold. And I've done other projects um, and I've also invested other money, most of it I've lost. And uh, when I was in my about early 20s or mid 20s, I, for some reason, it makes absolutely no sense. I decided I wanted to be involved in professional sports and I wanted to be an owner of a professional sports team or franchise. That's what we call them here in the United States. Yeah. Yeah. So I was, you know, I was really fortunate to accumulate the capital and the wealth to be able to do what I do today. And I am very blessed, very lucky. And also I'm just super excited that it happens to be late Norian. And so, yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic situation. Well, I'm certainly picking up your enthusiasm, which, which is absolutely great. And, and if I may, we'll just come on to Orient in a little bit. I would just like to, just for the listeners um, who are around the world, got a good view in the UK, which will be great. Um, I really hope we can get this out to um, as many Orient supporters as possible, because that'll be fantastic. Um, so just on your, your own, were you a sportsman yourself? Because a lot of people who get into sport, even in your capacity as an owner, have got, you know, they, they were keen sportsmen themselves. Does that fit with your previous life, uh, Kent? 
Well, when I was young, um, I played sports. You know, I've never played football, uh, English uh, football, or what, what the world calls football. I've never, I've actually never played in even a, not a competitive match or even just like a little scrimmage That's with great. friends. That's great. That's uh, great. Yeah. But, but I have, I have coached my daughters when they were four, five, and six you know, very early on, I wouldn't call it coaching. I would call it directing, if you will, just trying to teach them basic skills of ball control and, and kicking and that sort of stuff. And so I did that. That's the football relationship. Now in America, I played American football, American basketball, American baseball. Um, I ran track and field and I played a lot of golf. I did happen to play for one year kind of on the American mini tour and the American, uh, well, the PGA. So I'm a sportsman in the sense that I've played, never played, I guess, except for golf, maybe at the highest level, but, you know, just having never played football, that's just another reason where it doesn't make sense that Leighton Orient would, you know, would make sense, but it, you know, it does. So, yeah. Well, again, perhaps we'll touch on that, but there's a lot of, I know there's a lot of managers and coaches who would love an owner who freely admits that he's never played the game and um, kind of is, is honest and open about that. But um, that's great. So just because I'm always interested in sport and, and your golf, um, so you played at a real, what I'd call a decent level. I mean, a wow, you know, you're, you're on, a, on, a, on that level. So is that something that you kind of pursued quite seriously at one point and thought, you know, I'm going to really give this a go? we're naturally good at it. Did you, did you have to work hard at your game? And perhaps a little bit about that would be interesting. Yeah, I played golf. I'm one of those guys that, you know, your dad hands you a seven iron when you're about three or four years old, and you right. get plastic golf balls over, yeah. over the fence. And, you know, you're doing all that. My dad played a lot of golf. <laughs> so I, so I naturally, I played with him and enjoyed our time together. And, you know, I decided in high school, I was, really good for a high school kid but then uh, I took a little bit of time off uh, in college and then I went back to playing golf and decided I would make a go of it yeah and you know I was naturally good Um, I had the game to play on the PGA tour what I didn't have is I didn't have the mental capacity at 21 22 years old to play on the PGA tour. I just was not right mentally. There is a group of, of mental structures. I think that make a PGA tour professional really good. They are extremely consistent, extremely perfectionist oriented. They try to repeat the same movement over and over and over. I was always trying the hard shot, the crazy shot, the trick shot, the, you know, and I just, I couldn't consistently score over four days. Um, Could I do it? I guess not. You know, I just didn't have the discipline back then to be able to do it. So it was something I really enjoyed. I loved traveling in America and and learned a lot about myself and about the world. Um, And could I have been a PPA star? Yeah. Uh, but it would have taken a lot of work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, a lot of work. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know what? You, just listening to you talk, that you show, if I may say so, a real 
a real great level of self-analysis of why maybe you didn't reach the heights that you wanted to. And I'm just interested to know because I'm just, again, listening to your story and reading up a little bit about about you. You've obviously, you know, I, I hope you don't mind me putting it this way. You've been in successful in your in your business ventures. You've obviously been successful in those. So do you think that you had naturally different qualities that, that enabled you to be be successful in your businesses that were different than the things required that you've talked about for the for the golf i think that in business i have very specific strengths and my strengths are really strong i tend to be pretty motivational i tend to be very analytical i tend to also be creative and that's unusual combination to be really analytical and to be pretty creative in your thinking. Um, So my mom and dad believe that we should be tested as children. I've been tested more than some scientific lab rats. And so we've done, you know, I've done tons of tests. And so, you know, I have this ability to do analytical thinking, which is taking seemingly unrelated facts and making them related. And then I have this thing called divergent thinking, which is you take certain facts and you come to an unusual conclusion. That's kind of the creativity part. And most people have either analytical thinking or divergent thinking, but they don't have both. I happen to have both. I'll tell you why I think I was really successful at business. And it's really simple. Number one, I was really clear on what I was good at and what I was not good at. And number two, I had a high degree of value for people who were really good at something different. And I valued them and let them do what they did really well. They let me do what I did really well. And as a combination or as a team or as a group, depending on how big it was, that's what made us successful. I became successful because of the group and how well the group worked together and the strengths of those other people complementing my strengths and my weaknesses. That's an amazing level of insight because, you know, the older you get, you kind of get a little bit more understanding of personality and, and, and strengths. And, and when you need to have a, a mastermind group with somebody who's, who's the opposite to you. And I think we spend, and I certainly did spend a lot of time getting frustrated with people who were different than me. And um, it's, it's really insightful to hear how somebody's been able to um, embrace those differences and actually utilize them in their life and um, create you know, a real good success out of it. So um, very interesting, very, very interesting. I think that a lot of people spend a lot of time disagreeing with others over what I call personal preference. So let me give you an example. I have a personal preference. I love sushi. My wife has no desire to eat sushi whatsoever. And that's her personal preference. And we have a difference of personal preferences. Now, is it wrong that she doesn't like sushi? No, that's a personal preference. Is it wrong that I like sushi? Well, maybe to her it might be. But again, it's a personal preference. But the thing is, what I'm helping or or trying to figure out best is, how to celebrate the differences and the personal preferences of my wife, my three daughters, my son-in-law, my nieces, my nephews, my family, my friends, right? And so if I make people wrong over their personal preferences, yes, I might get to be right and I get to feel right, but I lose the relationship with those people. And that's 
And a lot of times I think we're having fights about personal preferences when we should be having discussions about effectiveness and efficiency. But again, that's just a personal preference, I guess. Yeah, yeah. No, again, very, very interesting. I was just um, listening to the England Rugby Union coach, Eddie Jones, this week on on an interview, and he was saying that players now and coaches have to learn to to have high discussions that he called them what he called them a specific phrase but discussions that are very important to allow people to express their real strong opinions but be able to walk out of the room 15 minutes later happy that they've been able to air themselves but um, they haven't been personal they haven't attacked anybody and exactly you've nailed it in, in a great way there it's actual not being personal it's just an issue that we need to get the best out of and um, I think football teams are need that uh the, the the psychological components of all those people involved and the coaches and the managers i think that's a big big thing so um yeah that's something we could we could bring into it so okay kent so you've obviously been been really successful and you've had this dream of, of, of owning a club a sports club so was it originally um a club that you wanted to own um, and was it was it a specific sport or were you just interested in a sporting environment Well, originally, I looked at an NBA team here in the United States and thought about that. My children were much younger, and my wife didn't want to move cities, so we didn't end up uh, pursuing uh, the NBA team. I've looked at all manners of different uh, teams. I've looked at Major League Baseball. I looked at NASCAR. uh, I looked at hockey. Um, I don't really fit in hockey it's an American thing versus Canadian thing, but I'm not sure I really fit. Um, you know, I looked at the NFL. It's a, that's a really tough deal. I could get involved in some NFL, but I wouldn't be able to be the majority guy. And so I've looked at, you know, football, baseball, basketball, hockey, uh, NASCAR. I've looked at a lot of different things. And then, uh, because of my love for the Brazilian team and it happened, be the Ronaldo, Ronaldinho, Roberto Carlos team. Yes. That team really made a difference for me, that World Cup team, and I fell in love with the world game. That's what I call football. You know, it is the world's game. And I decided that I wanted to, if I was going to play this game of being an owner, I decided that I wanted to play in the biggest stage, in the biggest possible arena. So I made two written offers on Major League Soccer side. I made a written offer on a USL side here in the United States. I was offered an NASL side I didn't take. I looked for football clubs everywhere from Argentina to Brazil to Colombia to Costa Rica. I looked, uh, obviously, in the United States. We kind of looked in Germany. It's really hard to do it in Germany. Uh, We looked in France. Uh, I've since looked in Portugal and Spain. And then I looked in the U.K., Now, I had a business in the United Kingdom, so a friend of mine who was our country manager of that business, I asked him to put together a list of clubs that I should investigate, and there were 13 clubs in this email that he sent me. Leighton Orient Football Club had to be one of those clubs, so I knew of Leighton Orient, and then my good friend Nigel Travis uh, and I talked about Leighton Orient. He was putting together a a consortium to purchase Leighton Orient Football Club, I became involved in the majority, uh, you know, financial partner in that consortium. 
and then we ended up getting Leighton Orient Football Club. So that's kind of how it, you know, it took many, many years for me to figure out how to get it done. And even from the time I started looking at football um, in the United States, it still probably took two or three years before the Leighton Orient Football Club was purchased. So you you did, by the sound of it, Kent, you did an awful lot of due diligence on a world level, really, looking around the different countries and cultures, because there's a vast difference between the cultures in, in these countries in terms of football. So that's a lot of work. and, and uh... A lot of passion for it, too, though. You know, it's something that I've wanted to do for a very, very long time. And I've been looking about it and talking about it and thinking about it for a very, very long time. So from a due diligence perspective, I think that when you have a real high interest in something, you want to, and you start to understand how things work. And that's what I'm, you know, constantly trying to figure out. How does this work? How's the best way to make this work? And you're right. There are different structures in the Brazilian and Colombian and kind of South American style than there are in the European style, specifically in the Premier League or, or Serie A or those types of clubs, uh, La Liga. So it is a little bit different, but the basic structure and the basic what are you trying to accomplish, which is win football matches, you know, that rings true across the world. I guarantee if I went to the UK now and I went and I, and I got um, 50 business people in a row who, who were successful in the business and had some capital and said to them, how interested out of 10 would you be in, inter- in owning a football club? I can guarantee that the majority of them would turn around to me and say, well, it's probably the quickest way to lose money I could, I could possibly think of apart from going to a, a casino. Um, <laughs> so if I may ask this, and it's a, it's got a deep question, I suppose, if, what's the real driving thing behind your this desire that you've had for such a long time Kent because um it isn't something that's common it's not so that's another way that Leighton Orient Football Club doesn't make any sense is financially so we can keep going through all the lists of how it doesn't make sense you know financially for me it makes a difference this way number one I am competitive and so I love competition yeah And number two, I wanted to be involved in something where we would win or lose and it would be fun and it would be a business and and all of that. And most successful people do not want to be involved in professional sports. I'll give you two examples. There's a guy named Bill Gates. He has no desire to be involved in professional sports whatsoever. He had a partner. His name was Paul Allen. Paul Allen loved being in professional sports. It's just a personal preference. Personal, and yeah. competitive guy. I love the business world. I thought that the UK would be a great place to do something because of promotion and relegation. I also thought because the Premier League is involved there that it would be a great place. But as far as making money... I would be better served to do almost anything else in my life that I think of and football or owning a fifth division or fourth division or fourth level or fifth level national league or league two club. That is probably the worst idea of how to make money. Now it is a large amount of money to most people. I don't deny that, 
But for me, it's not something that's going to change my life. Yeah. But it does change my life. Because of the investment that I've made and the emotional investment I've made, I've gotten so many great, just fantastic experiences and friends out of it that I can tell you that I absolutely would do it again way earlier and way faster than I did just because it has been such a phenomenal experience. Now, again, this has to do with me enjoying it, loving it, and all of the stuff that's associated to it, whereas some people might not love it or enjoy it as much as I do. Absolutely. And um, you put it so well. Um, so I believe, if I'm right, Kent, that it was 2017 when you got involved. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is that correct with Orient? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. April, April of 17. And then they, that year they got relegated out of the Football League, correct? They were relegated. Um, I happened to watch via private stream both the game where they were relegated and the game after. Yeah, and so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so the previous owner got relegated two out of the three years that he owned it, and we've been promoted one out of the two years we've owned it. So it's just a little different. Yeah, so you you're now back in, um, in in the football league, which is the the big important thing for for clubs in. Um, yep. And yep. Um, you obviously have negotiated the waters of the the tragic loss of your very very well liked manager, which must have been a big a big thing earlier earlier in the year, Kent. Yeah. I don't think I'll ever get over the loss of Justin. Personally, I just don't. I don't know. I don't know if I can ever get over it. And I do think that our club has done a fantastic job of navigating these completely unknown waters. And I do think that for the most part, the club is overcoming the loss of Justin. I'm not sure that we as a club have overcome the loss of Justin yet. I think that's going to take a little bit more time, but I do think we are doing a good job. And I, you know, I feel most for the players who I think were closest to him and the coaches. And, of course, I feel most for the family, for, you know, his wife and, and two children. So, yeah, it's, a, it's an incredibly sad, you know, 49 years old. I can just see him coaching in the Premier League, you know, managing in the Premier League. I can, I can just see it. I could see it back then. And so that's what makes it really tragic for me and the impact that he had on people. He was, Justin was just, I loved out running around with Justin. He was just so much fun and such a character. Yeah. Your testimony to him is very similar to in sentiments that are what so many people in the game said about him. I didn't know him personally. I just knew of him, but um, you know, he obviously was a very, a very well liked person and um yeah, I'm sure that the loss of somebody like this at such a young age, you know, it's not not something that any club kind of just gets over in um, quickly. But um, yeah, the little bit that I've read, the club's done done extremely well. And you've got a new guy called Carl now. Is that right, Mr. Carl Fletcher? Is that correct? Yeah, Carl Fletcher. Yep, Carl Fletcher, yeah. Oh, great stuff. Well, hopefully uh, Carl will be able to continue the, the good work. So just logistically, um, Kent, do you... Um, come over sort of whenever you can do it when your business needs you or is it something you do whenever you can get the time how, how do you work your, your your logistics of coming over to the uk 
Yeah, well, we're very fortunate um, at Leighton Orient because we've got two professional day-to-day managers and then Nigel Travis, who I think spends as much time on that business as he does on Dunkin' Donuts and, and Baskin Robbins as the CEO. Right, yeah. But you know, we've got Martin Ling as our director of football and Danny Macklin as our CEO, and they do a great job. So there's not really a need for me to come over to the UK for business. I try to make it over about 10 days a month every month. Wow. That's what I was trying for, uh, yeah, about, about 10 days a month. What I have, this fall has been very family intensive, so I'm only going to get to make three trips this fall. But I do think that in January, February, March, and April, I'll be over once a month. Wow. And so I'm, you know, I, I, well, about 10, 10 days every six weeks is about what I was trying to do. So the schedule plays a certain way. I enjoy being in the stadium. I enjoy being with the fans. I enjoy interacting with the fans, which you can see on my Twitter. Yeah, yeah. Um, I enjoy going into local schools and speaking on behalf of the club. I enjoy sort of hanging out on the high road and seeing people that I know in the community. Uh, and saying hi, some restaurant owners and some managers of the local, you know, grocery stores and things like that. So we've really tried to figure out a way to integrate ourselves into the local community there in in the area of Layton. So we're that's part of our push to be a family club, to be a community club, and to be relevant to the people around us. When I'm over in the UK, I spend about 90% of my time doing things on behalf of the club. Right. And I normally would prefer to go from about eight in the morning until about nine at night. That way I don't have uh, any distractions or anything else to do. Wow. So you, but just listening to you, it, and it's not just the content of what you say, it's the way you say, it. I, I can really tell that you, um, you love the whole bundle of this the whole thing about it the the supporters the the, the local businesses the the culture around the club i mean Leighton orient obviously they're not you know that they'll freely admit they're not one of the biggest clubs but they they've got this um they've been around a long time and, and people have seen there's been some um good players come out of orient and um people would like to see them do well let's put it like that um ken i think that in london we are the little brother or the little sister club yeah you know yeah. they pay it to the Chelsea and the Arsenal and the Tottenham and the, you know, West Ham and the other Premier League clubs, you know, there's quite a few. So what happens is, is that's their club. And then, oh, I got a little brother or a little yeah. sister, that's Lake Norian. How are they doing over there? Oh, they're doing well. Oh, they got promoted. Oh, that's great. And every once in a while, they'll come to a match just because it's such an intimate setting. So, yeah, it, it's fine. That, that's just how it is. It's okay. I don't mind being a part of a somewhat counterculture club, so to speak. I think there's beauty in that, Kent. It's my, um, we're all personal, but I think that is a beautiful thing. I actually like that kind of thing. And um, I can really, really buy into that. I think it's fantastic. And I can tell that you're into into the longevity of the thing and the slow burn and the building the relationships with people, the loyalty and, and, and things like that. Because, um, you know, the, the, well, you don't need me to tell you that these things are, are so fundamental because... Uh, Football supporters are a funny lot, and if they love their chairman and they love their manager, then you've got everything on your side. Um, if they don't, then you're on a hiding to nothing. Yeah, so um, 
sounds great what you're doing. Sounds great what you're doing. I think just because of the current financial situations in the English pyramid, and they are dire. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, at clubs that have just gone out of the league. I think for us, it's really important that we build a sustainable club and that we engage our fans from a ambition perspective saying we're going to get promoted about every three or four years. And that's our ambition. But our ambition is to be a club that has a lot of longevity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it also, our desire is that we win and draw a little bit more than we lose. So we build a winner. So we're building a winner that is sustainable, you know, that'll get promoted about every three or four years. And that's our basic strategy. It's not to try to get to the Premier League as quickly as possible. And then it's also not to uh, make a profit and then take money out of the club. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's right in between those two lines is where it's at. Absolutely. And um, the supporters that, that hear that message, whether they hear it on this podcast or they hear it from you personally or through your program notes or, or the local media, they will absolutely love that. Uh, kind of, I mean, I'm... I've been around football for you know since I was. My dad used to take me when I was a, when I was a young kid back in England, and um, so I've been around football for for four or five decades. And uh, football supporters absolutely love love that, and that would that will mean the world to them. That hearing the words that you that you speak, I can absolutely assure you as an Englishman that um, the genuine words that you speak about the club. Will will make a lot of people very happy, Kent, and uh, it's great to hear from a you know from somebody who loves football. Um, so, yeah, I think it's absolutely fantastic. So here we are. I've taken up a good over half an hour of your of your time, and it's such an interesting story. And uh, I'm going to really, really keep a close eye on much closer now on Orient because um, because of this chat and because of the. It's fantastic to hear. So. Have you learnt more about the game? Uh, not that um, you might not have wanted to do that, but have you learnt more about football uh, since you've kind of been involved with Orient that, that has kind of surprised you or anything that's made you laugh or, or anything? Yeah. I have the advantage of standing next to Martin Ling. <laughs> right, uh, who, yeah, yeah. You know, you know, Martin Ling, player, manager, director of football, you know. And so I have the advantage that sometimes I can go and ask him, now, can you please explain to me offside again? And, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, and sometimes he just has a very difficult time explaining it, it to me. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah, so I've learned, I've learned a lot about football, about how to watch football, you know, not to follow the ball, but to look to where the ball is going to go yeah. and where the play, how players are set up and that kind of stuff. So I have learned a lot. Am I an expert in football? No, no, never. I'm not qualified to choose the side, set the position, you know, do any of that. I'm not, I'm not qualified. And I know that. And, but that's why we have people like Martin. That's why we have people like Carl Fletcher and Ross Embleton, Danny Webb and, you know, and, and others. Again, I have a weakness. I recognize my weakness. They have a strength. They are really good at that strength. Let them do it. Yeah, and yeah. I really enjoy watching them be really good at what they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, as I said probably early on in the in the chat, I think there are many, many coaches and managers who would absolutely love to have a 
an owner who lets them get on with their job and um, recognizes, uh, you know, the individual strengths and weaknesses that that we all have. I think it's think it's wonderful. I am smart enough to know this, right? When we're down to ten men, you don't run a one eight. Top man. Give you that. Yeah. That right. That's great. That's great. Well, Kent, just um, li- listen. Uh, um, it's been a, an interesting half an hour. And I don't. I just don't want to keep taking up any more of your time. You, you've been a, a fantastic no, guest. No. Um, hey, hey, listen. When are you back in the UK? Because I would love to have you come out to Late North. If you happen to be in London and we're in at the same time, let's keep in touch over email. Let me know when you're coming to the UK. I'll let you know when I'm coming to the UK. Brilliant. And you should come to a match. Yeah, I'd and, love to. And, you know, yeah, be fun. Absolutely love to. When um, when, I, when I've got some time off from the, the Bangladeshi international team, I'll, I'll um, come and see you. That'll be absolutely fantastic. Thank you very much, Ken. That would be wonderful. If anybody wants to, um, obviously from an Orient point of view, the club's there and everybody will know where the club is and, 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 and that kind of thing. If anybody wants to catch up with you, on, do you have you, you have some social media with Twitter, um, Kent? Yeah, do you have any other social media stuff going on that you you could you want to share? I only have time to just focus on Twitter. So, you know, you, you can just find me at Kent Teague on Twitter. But, and you know, it's pretty easy to figure out and get my email address for Leighton Orient. So it's all good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, well, Ken, it's been an absolute pleasure. I'll definitely keep in touch with you. Um, I'd love to come and, and, and meet up with you at some point. And um, once again, thank you very much for your time and all the very best uh, in the endeavours. And I'm going to be following it like a hawk. So um, take care, mate. And thanks for your time. It's been brilliant. It's been brilliant. Keep me up to date, too, on where Bangladesh plays. You just never know where I'm going to end up in the world. So. Perfect. Will do. Yeah, Absolutely. Let, let me know. Kent, thank you for your time and um, I, I look forward to catching up with you again. Thanks ever so much. Yeah. Take care, Paul. Thank you. Bye right, now. Bye bye.